Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can also find us every day, Monday through Friday, on Dash Radio. That's the Nothing But Net channel, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Make sure that after you download the Dash Radio app for free on your phone or any other device, make sure that you look for the Nothing But Net channel. You won't find Five on the Floor, but you will find it on Nothing But Net every day, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Also check out 5ReasonSports.com just to give you a sense of everything that we're producing while newspapers are charging you paywalls. Nine new articles went up today on 5ReasonSports.com for nothing. You basically pay nothing. So make sure you bookmark it because you're going to miss something if you don't. You can find not only the articles and the columns, but also our YouTube channel and our merchandise and also... Uh, you can find all the podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network. Five Rings Canes had a big episode today, and Three Yards Per Carry is coming back. Simon, Alf, and Chris will be back in about a week and a half as Tua and the rest of the Miami Dolphins report. Also, check out all the great sponsors in the Five Reasons Sports Network. They are all local sponsors. We don't pull sponsors from just anywhere. We pull them from South Florida, South Florida sports fans, and also the best kinds of sponsors like Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of Inner Miami. They will win eventually. And the Miami Marlins, they're winning tonight in an exhibition against the Braves. They went back to back to back. Biscayne Bay Brewing is South Florida's actual independent brewery. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and support Five Reasons Sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content you can handle with a buzz. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff. That's Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It's the beer that we're drinking at Five Reasons Sports. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick, Back on five on the floor. Today's floor plan. We are waiting for Alphonse Sydney to join us. Um, I've got Greg Sylvander and Alex Toledo. I thought Alf moved to a new place to get better internet, um, but apparently that didn't work. So he'll be here at some point. Uh, today's floor plan. First part of the episode. We're going to cover the big news of the day. We're going to crow a little bit, Greg. We're going to. Can we crow a little bit? Are we Just allowed to do that? Okay. Just, a, just a smidge. Just a smidge. Um, this is not something I used to do as a sports writer. I was one of those, I'd sometimes have news, whatever, and I wouldn't promote it. But I'm, since I'm running my own thing now, yeah, occasionally we, knew, we do need to draw attention when we break news because we break a lot of news lately. And uh, traditionally, the mainstream outlets don't like to credit us. <laughs> so 
so yeah, sometimes we throw it out there. Uh, we reported last week, I think it was uh, Friday, maybe it was Saturday morning, that the Heat would be whole by Tuesday night, that they would have their entire contingent, including Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn, who I actually heard initially that Bam would come first, uh, but that they would have both guys because they tested negative uh, the requisite number of times and they would join the Heat in the bubble. Um, that happened tonight at about seven o'clock. The Heat put, I think Tim Reynolds had it first. He's actually in the bubble right now for AP uh, as one of the reporters. But the Miami uh, Heat then tweeted out a photo of Bam and Nunn there together. We're going to talk about the ramifications of that now that the Miami Heat are whole. It's going to be the first part of the episode. Second part of the episode, we're going to talk about uh, one old friend and one new friend. Uh, we're going to talk Justice Winslow the news related to him, and we're going to talk about something Jimmy Butler said last night. So let's get to Bam. Let's get to Nunn. Alf has joined us now. Um, the significance for you, Alex, of everybody being back, and I know they're not going to participate in the scrimmage. They still need to quarantine. Uh, what, did we, what did we find out it was, Greg? 48 to 72 hours? Is that right? Um, it, it actually ends up being 36 to 48 hours. The way that I understand it is they just need to test negative twice um, with 24 hours in between. So um, essentially, you know, timing is everything. And I'm sure they're getting tested immediately so that they can accelerate the timeline. But I think 48 hours is what we should expect. Okay. So about 48 hours, the Heat have a scrimmage, which we're actually going to pod after uh, against Sacramento on Wednesday night. So they won't participate in that. Uh, but there are two scrimmages coming up. But, Alex, I'll go to you on this first. Um, everybody's there. I mean, DJJ tested mm -hmm. negative. He's been practicing with the team. They have no injuries that we know about. Myers Leonard, Tyler Hero are back in the shape they were in before the injuries they suffered during the season. The significance to you of having this starting lineup back, potentially, and having an entire team back. Well, you said it best. Honestly, the start, having the starting lineup back is going to be huge. We know that that's kind of the – the identity of the Heat team that we've seen this season is that starting lineup that's been so good for them with Nunn, Duncan, and Myers to complementing Jimmy and Bam. And having them back is, you know, that's obviously huge. And honestly, I'm glad that they're okay enough to play. I'm glad that they were, as you said, I think they said feeling little to no symptoms. I'm glad that they're okay. That's where I come on on this. I don't know if that's a hot take. Well, you mentioned the starting lineup. Bleacher Report some, put something out on Twitter today that uh, – and I know people got up in arms about it because they had the Pelicans first, but they See, had the but they had the it, best it, starting it lineup. Starting line. it, it was based on net rating. It was based exactly. on net rating. Okay, so it, everybody it, mad because they they <laughs> they framed it as Bleacher Report ranking starting lineups instead right. of these are starting lineups by net rating. Like those are two very yeah. different things. That's they, how you they get are. clicks. That's how but, you get clicks, baby. That is that is how you get clicks, and everybody knows that. You know, Bleacher Report. Uh, well, they want Alex Caruso to be Finals MVP, but Bleacher well, that Report. That was that was NBA ESPN. Central, though. The the ones that actually tweeted that. No, out. I know NBA Central pulls the stuff from Bleacher. We've gotten to the point, and again, I worked for Bleacher for two years, so I'm a little sensitive about this stuff. But we've gotten to the point where, like, Bleacher is considered to be like the the you know the 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 regular source, and like there's other sources that are like Bleacher Report used to be just crap from everywhere and NBA yep. Central is one of those sites that does that but anyway it was based on net rating and Greg the Heat starting lineup which you know Leonard uh, Leonard Adebayo Butler Robinson Nunn had has the fourth best net rating of any starting lineup in that's in the bubble right now um, Milwaukee I guess is third 
I forgot off the top of my head who's second. It might be the Clippers. It's not the Lakers. Um, and so, I, you know, again, too. what's that? Boston was in there too. Yeah, maybe Boston was second. They might have been second. Boston I, was fourth, I believe. No, the Heat were fourth. The Heat were fourth. Oh. The Heat were fourth. Yeah, the Heat were fourth. But they, they were in the top five somewhere. But, Greg, I, I, I guess looking at it, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Kendrick Nunn and his impact. We talk a lot about Bam out of bio, but just getting Kendrick back now where he's going to be ready to go for, I would think for, you know, the, the games after the scrimmages. Uh, what is, what does that mean? I mean, it's funny because I've been talking about how much this is a tailor-made tournament for Goran Dragic, and I still feel that way. But ultimately, now they have the lineup that had the continuity and um, and obviously the net rating because we're always looking at the at the statistical you know elements of this. But having Kendrick Nunn back, you know, you needed guards, you need scores, you need uh, shot creators, and particularly in this environment. Um, you know, you hope that all the shooters are going to shoot better because of all the things we've talked about with no crowd and stuff like that. But in the event that you do have a cold night from a guy um, having Kendrick Nunn to be able to fill in and get 16 a game, um, you know, if he can shoot above, let's say, 36, 37 percent from three and you can really keep the defense is honest there. I think that it's going to be a huge asset for them. And ultimately this just kind of dovetails into Spo having all of his weapons at his disposal and they're going to be able to, you know, test different things. Cause I agree with you. I think by the time the first game comes, you're going to be at full strength barring no injuries. So um, it's all good things. Alf looking at it that way, like I said, we're just assuming now that everybody's back that Spoh's going to build back to the starting lineup that was so successful. But he's been working now for us over a week, and I don't know who's been running first team reps in practice. Um, we know that, that Spo likes to keep things where he doesn't kind of take a guy who's a key cog off the bench and make him a starter. So I don't know if he's had Goran running first team reps. Um, I, I don't know who the, the forward next to Myers has probably been you know, on the so-called first team. I mean, maybe it's been Jay would be my thought that probably Derek, maybe, maybe Derek did. Yeah, but Derek, remember though, Derek came back. He was, he came with the team, but I don't, I don't know. Oh, if come on guys. Cautious. You know who it is. It's UD in, in the James Jones role. <laughs> yes. it, 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 it could be, it could be UD. It could be UD. Um, but, but do you, should we just assume Alf that it's going to be that starting lineup? The, the one we talk about, or do you think maybe with all the time suppose talked about tinkering so much that there may be something different? I think it would have to be, I, 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 it, that lineup was just too successful. Um, and even though he's been running the first team without the two guys there, which of which of those two guys are you going to take out the lineup? The only one I could see was Kendrick, but Kendrick was playing well going into this. Um, we we had talked a lot about, despite the production, uh, Alex and I, I know uh, we've been kind of labeled Kendrick haters because of it. We, we harped a lot about his defense, about some of his decision-making, um, the fact that he was creating for himself and not creating for others. But going into the, suspend, the suspension of the season, all of that stuff was improving. Um, I'm not sure as much about the point of attack on defense, but there's not another guard that spoke and bring off the bench that can improve that because Goron's not uh, much better at that either. So I don't really see where they would make the change. Uh, to me, it would, ha- it would be, of course, if you're going to make a change, it'd be Myers or it would be Kendrick, right? Um, with Myers being healthy right now, I don't see him coming out of the starting lineup. Nothing that he said since being in the bubble 
would indicate that he's not in the starting lineup. And I think Kendrick right now, uh, when you talk about Kendrick or Goron, I think they love the, what Goron brought off the bench, that scoring punch. So I don't see them changing that up either. Like, I know some, I know Spo likes a tinker, but like, why mess with success right now? Well, remember too, Alex, the, the first game they're going to play is against Denver, right? And so this is all a build to that. And Denver is a pretty conventional team. I mean, they've, they have one of the, you know, the arguably one of the three best centers in the league. Uh, they play Millsap at the four. So I, I would think that going back to Leonard and Bam makes sense there. I, I, I'm with Alf that, that I think that Spo wants to keep Dragic as his spark plug off the bench. The, the Heat released a video today of Dragic dunking. I think we've all kind of talked about how we think Goran's going to come out gangbusters just because he's had some rest and this kind of fits him. Uh, do you uh, let, let's let's go with this. Alf kind of touched on it a little bit. Who is more likely to be pulled from that starting lineup, Kendrick or Myers? Because it's not going to be any of the other three. Yeah, definitely not. But uh, if I had to go with one, I would probably say Myers because of what you guys are talking about. I think Goran is kind of essential as a six man. I think he wouldn't be as effective as a starter. And I'm not trying to trash Goran by any means, but uh, I think he is just an amazing six man and I love that role for him uh also it kind of puts him against backup point guards which I think is huge but on top of that I think Kelly is you know very like if you had to have a Myers Leonard replacement Kelly Olenek is a pretty good impersonation uh <laughs> you know they're both stretch big so I think that's kind of the more seamless re- replacement there especially since Olenek kind of hasn't had a, a regular role this whole season so it's not like Goran who who's, who's been a six man all year and other than that, though, I don't think there's a point in really changing that starting lineup until you get to the playoffs and you just know there's, like, one matchup that you just can't have. And, and, I, and I think Spo even then, like, wouldn't do that, wouldn't actually change the starting lineup until, like, a game or two into a series if he finds that there's a problem or some, a matchup he doesn't like. So I think we're gonna, it's going to be a while before we see any starting lineup changes. Yeah, I mean, an- another part of that that I think is really um, something to remember is that, you know, all indications are Bam Adebayo has felt fine, has been working out, is at full strength. But I think ultimately, like, you want to keep Myers next to him initially so that he doesn't not have to be the primary guy banging down low and being the most physical player and relied upon to be doing all of those kind of dirty work things. So I think initially it's going to make a lot of sense to have Myers next to him, and then you obviously um, – can you know see you know if a if a matchup dictates it then you switch but initially it's going to be the same to the same lineup and by the way just to be clear on what i what i was saying not that i would if i would change the starting lineup i wouldn't put kelly over there for myers but that was just the the obvious replacement but they would obviously probably go like if if they went from myers they would probably go small with like crowder or djj or godala at the four Mm. so i think yeah do you guys as as similar as Myers and Kelly are, do you think that uh, Kelly is as proficient as defending down low as Myers is? No, no, like, no. Yeah, he can't bang with guys. I don't think no. he can bang with guys like uh, Embiid and some of the other guys. That maybe Myers is not stopping any of those guys, but he makes them work. I don't feel I because of uh, Kelly's issues with length. I don't know if he's going to make them work as hard as Myers. And he's can. not as strong as, as Myers. Yeah. Is no, he's not as strong as Myers. But, but I think that the advantage for Kelly over Myers, and I think it's going to be Myers, but the advantage for Kelly over Myers is that he speeds your offense up a little bit 
because of his ability to handle. Uh, to me, that that's the one advantage he has. And we've talked oh. a lot about how Myers Myers takes a long time to kind of unleash <laughs> the ball in those situations. And so, uh, even though he he actually shot at a better percentage than Kelly did until you know Kelly got sort of on fire after the All Star break. I would think they would leave it alone. I, I would. I, I'm with you in the sense that, uh, Greg, that I think that they want to have the Bam, Bam's comfort level with Myers when he comes back and, and to kind of keep things similar. I also think that, look, we're going to see in the scrimmage who they start with. I think it might be a plug guy. I, I think it might, it, it might. It wouldn't be Goran. I think it, it might be, you know, if Kendrick's not there, I mean, who do we think? He starts Andre? They, throw in, they throw in Andre or Derek or Jay and just mm-hmm. run Jimmy as, as the point guard? Probably, right? That'd with, be with, awkward, yeah. right? Well, I think Jay Crowder may end up being that guy because I, I feel like that they can Best kind of shooter. move pieces around um, in a more seamless way and he just kind of fits in. Um, so I think that, that would be the obvious choice initially. Um, and then um, I, I just feel like Jay hasn't settled into a role enough to worry about where you're plugging him in yet. So he's going to kind of be that natural guy that, um, you know, you're not looking at him and saying, well, that's our bench spark plug. Um, you can kind of move him around and feel more flexible. Well, and they have so many, that's the thing though. They have so many bench spark plugs that, I mean, you're starting with Goran and then Andre obviously wrote a book called the sixth man uh, that, 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 that I, I feel like you don't have to compartmentalize Jay there necessarily but I, I think one of the things that's going to be a little challenging for Eric because he keeps talking about we're going to play everybody right we're going to play everybody who's available we're going to go deeper in the rotation I think he's doing that in part to keep his guys engaged but I also think he does plan to do it he wants to look at a lot of different things and I think he's going to look at players longer than some of these other teams do but I think the thing that's going to be challenging for him is once he starts getting this thing up to 11 12 players that are playing a lot it's then the move back to nine, right? Yep. You know, you know and, and, and I understand you're going to do it based on matchups, but guys, players are creatures of habit. They want to kind of know when they're coming in and when they're not coming in. And I think Eric has to be careful not – I know you want to get everybody in shape at first and you want to see what they have and you want to get their minds right, and so you're going to be playing, so you prepare to play. But I think then if he then scales it back really quickly – and all of a sudden, the guys who were playing are not playing. It's going to be a tough thing to manage. I mean, what do we think this is going to look like by the time the playoffs start? I mean, is he going to go 9, 10? He's not going to go 11 in the playoffs, is he? I'm thinking he? 10. I'm thinking 10, and then by, by the fourth quarter, you, you're going to know who they're rolling with towards end, depending on who's hot. I think, they're going to, I think 10 is kind of what they've been rolling with all year, and there's, no, there's not really a reason to – take it down to nine because then who are you you're taking out two guys who are regular rotation players as well not just one well i mean let's talk about who are the 10 right it's the starting lineup then it's goron tyler andre j kelly and kelly that's 10 and djj djj is 11 11 and like which one of those guys are you taking out of the rotation exactly so that's already that's already tough in itself so that's why i think Nine. That's 11, and then people are talking about KZ Akpala and Gabe Vincent. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's like KZ be and Gabe are only going to play now, I think, before right. the seeding games, right? It's and be I, another preseason. 
I was telling you guys in the chat, I got a question today about Solomon Hill on a Sacramento Kings uh, radio show. And I was like, uh, guys, I, I just, I think that's an odd man out. I, don't, I mean, who are well, you? Well, who's, who's definitely not going to play? Though? I mean, let, let's rule this out, okay? I, I think I think Gabe Vincent has a role in the organization going forward, but it's forward. not going to be now. Uh, Chris, Chris he might Silva, start tomorrow. He might. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? You know what? You know that's what? A good one. That's not crazy. That's not. That is a very Eric Spolster move to Hammer start KZ. him tomorrow. No, no, not to start KZ. To start Gabe Vincent tomorrow. For, because that, who, are you, who are you playing on the Aaron Fox if you start um, Jay Crowder? You're starting Jimmy Butler on the Aaron Fox, like that's, well, they had uh, Jay Crowder guarding Luca, but yeah, they, the Aaron Fox is a lot faster than Luca. Yeah, you who, who are you putting on a quick point guard if you uh, if you start? You know, Jay or Andre or any of these guys. So. You're going to get yeah, Jimmy's legs get under him real quick, having to try to chase around De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> you're, don't do that to Jimmy in a scrimmage, please. No, I, I mean, let, let, let Jimmy guard Buddy Healed. I, but, I, but, I, <laughs> I, but I do think I, I do think you make a point there, Alf. Like, it's not just the guarding De'Aaron Fox, but it is that Eric doesn't he, – he's going to want – you give the kid a role in that kind of situation, see how he performs, and at the same time you don't – sort of break up what you want to do with the bench. It wouldn't surprise me. And it would not surprise me at all if Gabe Ethan, Vincent starts a scrimmage. It's funny that you say that because the other night when Gabe Vincent did his media, I was listening to how he was describing his game. And he, he was talking there for like a minute or two about how he's not just a shooter, how uh, he's not a standstill shooter. He can be used off of screens, coming off, uh, you know, coming off screens like Duncan, like Nunn, and like Hero do, which makes even more sense to throwing him into Nunn's role and just trying to give him some of those same looks. Mm-hmm. See if he could knock him down. He also said that he can create out of the pick and roll. So it almost sounds like he's the perfect non defender. is what I want to know. Like, well, none can. So again, a, perfect non substitute. They need a guard defender, is what they need. Like, imagine <laughs> if he comes up. out. It's imagine if he comes out and just starts locking up point guards. Like, does Eric, oh, does Eric have a decision to make? Like, I mean, complete, completely shutting down uh, speedy point guards, you know, he goes but up again. It sounds crazy until you think about what happened this for the first game of the season this year, which is that Kendrick Nunn went, we don't talk about this enough, but like it went from a guy who, when, when I was out in summer league, you know, in Vegas with Alex, I can't believe that was a year ago. And, you know, we were watching Kendrick Nunn and saying, mm, you know what? He's probably going to make the team. He's pretty good. Like, the you know, a team, you do it to him starting. Top five rookie of the year candidate. Right. And so, (laughs) so is it that crazy to think Eric's had four months to think about what Gabe Vincent can do for him, that maybe Gabe Vincent is the next Kendrick Nunn? I mean, it's possible. You know, anything is possible. I think, I mean, I think if he, if he shows some chops defensively, Eric's going to have a decision to make. I mean, I'm, and I'm being honest about, I mean, completely serious about this. If he shows legit defensive chops, with the, with the problem the Heat have had, and we talked about it ad nauseum on this show, with the point of attack, does Eric have a decision to make? And I, this is hypothetical as hell, right? But it's just one of those things that's okay. funny because he's going to get he's gonna get minutes in this thing. It's interesting that you say that because it's kind of like if he gets minutes, starts playing well, like you said, there's a decision to make. But you can kind of predict that something weird is going to happen with one of these players because it's basically a new season. Maybe one of these younger guys – improves in a certain facet <clears throat> defense you would you would hope but uh want, maybe one of these guys takes a leap you get what i'm saying like what do you guys think might be the first like not you know not predicted thing that we see with the heat like somebody maybe some, some, casey okpala just comes yeah, in and, and starts that, you know 
It might be KZ. It might, That's it the might one be. Ethan has, has nailed. And, and I think that he's kind of the obvious option because we've seen some of the physical stuff come along. And, and this is like a new season. Like, think about it. It's been, has it been four months since they played? Yeah. So like that's essentially an off season. So if they approached it with any level of professionalism, and I think we know that they did, then they're all just improving their games. Obviously, it's a little bit different when you can't be around your entire team and have these group workouts and stuff like that, at least that we know about. And um, so essentially, it's a new season. So you don't know what you're getting. And Stan touched on some of that with you guys about not knowing what you're going to get from teams. And yeah, we we think we have an idea, but who knows? Like, And that that's kind of like with Tyler Hero specifically, oh, there's yeah. certain guys that just get it out of nowhere and it just clicks. And and he's one of those guys that I've always kind of felt like he has that it factor. And I know that that's a little ridiculous and it's intangible and you can't really quantify it. But if they catch that and that lightning in a bottle strikes in this, you know, bubble, like that's a huge thing and you don't know which guy it's going to be. So um, it's a great point. You know, the thing about it too is when you look at how many athletes they have, Okay, if KZ gets reps and you have DJJ, um, and obviously if you've got young legs with Tyler, Duncan jokes his legs aren't that young anymore, but he's still 26. You're talking about, uh, you know, you're talking about Kendrick Nunn coming back, bam. This may be one of these situations, you know, when I'm, I'm noticed, you see this sometimes with teams where, and you see this a lot in college basketball, where a team that just has a lot of athletes and a lot of bodies. Okay, just overwhelms other more traditional teams kind of in these in these short situations like we've got here. And, and I just remember so many college teams that it's like you get to the finals and you see a team win the championship and they were not the team that was supposed to win. But then it looks right in retrospect. You're like, oh, wow. Now look how many bodies they had. Look how, how many people. Kentucky used to be like this where they were throwing like 11 guys, UNLV. I feel like Eric may be thinking, okay. Yes, Milwaukee has the best player in the East, arguably the best player in the world. They've got a really good number two guy. They've got a solid point guard, and they've got a bunch of older role players that you can trust, whether it's Hill, the Lopez's, okay, Ilyasova, et cetera. But I just have more guys. And, and what we're going to do here is just run athletes at you all day long. Young legs, okay, with a chi- with, led by a guy with a chip on his shoulder, and we're just going to blitz you. And, and I sort of feel like when he keeps saying, we're going to play everybody, we're going to open the rotation. You're not hearing other coaches say that, that that's kind of what's in his head right now. And you so think that's a strategy, just wear, wear other teams down? Wear other teams out. Legs? Exactly. In the, and, and I think so maybe we're all thinking about this as we sort of finish up this segment too conventionally. Because yep. we're all talking about – because I, I did it when I started this episode – they, you know, they're going to play this many guys. They're going to go back to their starting lineup. They're going to get to 10. DJJ is going to be the odd man out potentially. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe. So you're looking for Solomon Hill minutes is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go that far. I don't know about that. Okay. I don't know about that. But, but I do Solomon think. Solomon Hill that, has gotten so much flack from us, man. And not us specifically, but Heat fans in general. Like, what, did, what did the man do? The he fact, that he, the he fact like, that he looks like justice is He looks helping. like justice. That's, that's, really, that's really it. He seems like a nice guy. He had a really good statement the other himself. day. Yeah, I mean, he, and he look, he's, he's been a competent NBA player who's made a career for himself, and he's made a lot of money. But, he could I, but be a I'm, real plug-in for this team. If, like, one of those wings that they traded for, like, you know, like a hamstring injury, anything happens to them, would you be surprised if Hill was just a part no, of the rotation? No, I, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody plays. But, but I think that the thing is this. 
again, you give Eric four months to think about this stuff, and he probably is cooking up a role for Gabe Vincent. He probably is cooking up a role for Casey Akpala. I mean, I don't know if Silva has a role after he kind of played his way out of the rotation, but maybe. I forgot that Silva existed till just now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, seriously, I forgot about Chris Silva. Holy crap. But remember, in preseason, in preseason, the first month of the year, he was like an energizer body bunny when they put him in there, and maybe they've corrected enough things about his game that he's playable. I mean, that's the other thing. We don't know how officials are going to officiate this thing. It's going to be totally weird without fans. They're human. They're going to make even more mistakes probably. They're going to be rusty. And if you've got 11, 12, 13 bodies that you can throw out there where you don't have to worry about fouls, and just fresh legs, run them, run them, run them, run them the entire game. That's an interesting theory. The thing for me, there needs to be an assistant coach that, like, <laughs> it's constantly checking minutes and checking rotations because Correct. we know that we know that Eric likes to leave a lineup in there a little bit too long. Like, <laughs> right. We all, we've all screamed at our TV screens a little bit, uh, like, take these guys out. Well, running. he forgets sometimes. He forgets yeah, he I has know. certain people That's that he's admitted that. Come on, Chris Quinn needs to get his act together. Let's go. Well, you well, know, what, when they when they were interviewing the head coach from Sacramento, and it's escaping me what his name is at the time, and that's Luke a, Walton. They, no. Is that who it was? Gosh, well, um, it is now. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who it was. They've had he, a bunch. He, he specifically said that um, Spolster reached out to him about running a lot of zone because the coaches are kind of like comparing notes about what they want to work on in the scrimmage. So then when you think about this idea of running and, and really making it all about a track one way to get guys a breather and also hide guys that maybe um you know you you don't want an, out on an island one-on-one is playing a lot of zone so we may see a lot of that too which then it even further reinforces what you guys are saying about it being not as much about conventional positions and things like that and you kind of can just without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Just mix it up. Well, Stan actually mentioned on, on the episode, you know, we had Stan Van Gundy, and he talked about Eric uh, committing more to the zone this year. But also, he said that the thing that makes Eric great, along with Greg Popovich, is their ability to adapt to different types of rosters. And and I, I just... answered a question about the zone today, actually. Did he? Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, he also answered your bubble handoff, or not? You're not your bubble handoff. Your I'm sorry, <laughs> your dribble handoff. God, is, we'll, we'll, is that the name of the the Heat's playbook? The bubble handoff. The bubble. The bubble handoff. It's like the Adam Gase bubble screen. Uh yeah. No, we'll 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 get into that answer. You know, a little bit later. But I just well, you talk zone. Okay, so you're gonna throw DJJ and you're gonna switch off DJJ and KZ at the top of that zone. I mean. You're going to create Iguodala. Iguodala, Crowder. You're going to create some – Jimmy, you're going to create some problems. I just – when we keep saying all these names and we keep saying who's the odd guy out, who's the odd guy out, who's the odd guy out, there may not be an odd guy out. There may not, there may not be. There may be go out there and give me the five best, six best minutes you can give me. Okay, come back. Like a hockey shift. Fuck it. 12-man rotations. Here we go. It, it wouldn't stun me. All right, after the break, we're going to talk about Justice Winslow and Jimmy Butler. Before we do, a word from one of our sponsors. 
I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safecubbies.com, which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget. You can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards, magnetic panels, acrylic sheets, and graphic branding. Most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes. Now, this is for workplaces. They've got a bunch of different options on their professional series, but also they've got private room solutions, dividers and sneeze guards, and they have a classroom series as well. So if you're involved with a school, this is definitely something your school should check out, of course, if we have school in the fall. And that's the point here. We are entering a new normal period with COVID-19, safecubbies.com, which is locally owned is the place that you want to go. The phone number is 754-216-1071. Again, that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. As I always mentioned, you can hear us on Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And we're also going to be, obviously, you can get us on all the podcast apps, um, and and uh, and check us out that way. I want to talk about the news of the day that involves a former Heat player, but not a current Heat player. I saw Alf going back at people on Twitter about this a little bit. Justice Winslow, um, who was tweeting about OnlyFans the other night, um, that, that, that he was keeping us entertained. Uh, he is not going to play for the Memphis Grizzlies uh, because he had an incident during a practice. He hurt his hip. Um, so with one year left after this on his contract, the Grizzlies will get no value out of justice this year for the trade they made with the Miami Heat, uh, which obviously you know landed the Heat, Iguodala, Crowder, and the aforementioned Solomon Hill, um, and landed other teams, uh, Deion Waiters and James Johnson, because Memphis rerouted them. Um, Alf, you were going back at people today. I want to let you start on this topic uh, because I do agree with you on this. What is your thought about the way people reacted to Justice's injury? I just think some of it is just gross. Like, I mean, first of all, it, Justice's injury on another team in another training camp during another practice has nothing to do with his time in Miami. So, like, to to sit there and say that, oh, this is justification for the trade – like, these things are so random. Like, it's just a really stupid fan thing to do. Um, and and they're running around taking victory laps. Like, the Heat won the trade. Like, okay, everyone just calm down. Like, you don't know what could have happened, uh, you know, given different circumstances. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is the Heat fans just rooting for this guy not to succeed so that it makes their organization look better or look, quote, unquote, right. It's just weird. Like, you know what I mean? It's yep. it's just like a weird thing to do, especially for like a really, really good kid. And I can call him kid because I'm almost 40. But like a really good <laughs> kid, a really nice kid, like who did all the right things, said all the right things while he was here. When he was on the floor, was a very, very productive player. I'm sorry that he didn't play enough games for a lot of Heat fans. Like, oh, well, too bad. Like, grow up. By the okay. way, somebody said it today very, very nicely. He said people are trying to act like, you know, he missed so many games playing for the Heat, and they did it. They counted it, and it's, he played in 65 games or more in, in three out of four seasons, if yeah. I remember correctly. I mean – That's not, like, 
that's that there's a much. four year there's a four year run where Dwayne Wade couldn't match those numbers. So I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm just saying right. Like <laughs> we we are we Heat fans like are rooting against this kid to keep doing well when he's not even on your team anymore. Like it's just so weird to me. But and I'm a fan of the trade. I think we talked about this when the trade happened. You sent out three guys that were not getting minutes for you for three guys, two and a half guys, or without whatever happens with Solomon Hill, guys, able-bodied guys that can, that can get minutes on the floor for you at positions of need, right? So it was a good trade. But to then take that even further and a route for a guy hot take on Twitter was right is just such a weird phenomenon to me, and I just don't get it from, from Heat fans. Like, the guy's not even on your team anymore. Leave it alone. Right. It, it, it appears – as if it's unhealthy to just wish ill will on a kid that's in another city has moved on with his life. Um, and it, you know, there's like a lot of really mean spirited stuff that goes out there. And, and from the perspective of, if you just look at the basketball side of it and you get a little bit more, um, agnostic as it relates to him as a person and, 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 you know, wanting to see him fail or succeed. When you think about it, just pure transactional and basketball wise, the jury is still out on this trade and, and there's so many fans that are yep. going back and forth about who won the trade. And, 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 you know, now we have, you know, increased flexibility, but you know, you kind of gave up on justice Winslow and things like that. There's two things that we have to see before we can judge the trade. And it's just the way that it is. One is what does justice Winslow become and what does he develop into as a player in Memphis or wherever he goes after that. Uh, and then the other part of it is what do the heat do with this, um, time sensitive, and I and I really want to um, reinforce the, the words time sensitive, newfound flexibility because it's not something that they're going to have forever in terms of like that they've opened up increased flexibility. It's really just this summer, so you have to see what that turns into before you can really judge this thing. I want to ask you a question about what it would have been like for Justice had he not been traded. So let let's say. Because, I, I, you know, again, it's like a butterfly effect, right? Like one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. So it's hard to really say if Justice was still with Miami and would he gotten hurt in a practice with Miami? You know, you don't know. Um, let's say, though, that they don't make the trade, okay? And let's – so they don't get Iguodala. They don't get Crowder. They're holding on to Justice. <laughs> they're keeping Dion through the break. They're keeping JJ, okay? They have a four-month break. They're stuffing Dion and JJ back in a bubble. <laughs> I don't know. Now, I don't know if Dion would have even come with the team. Justice comes back to play. <laughs> Justice comes back he to play. He wouldn't have passed. Never mind. Never mind. I'm, I'm well, I don't, I don't say it. Okay. <laughs> don't say it. Okay. They, they'd be shaped like Mickey Mouse. Um, but let's just say, okay, you got Dion, you've got JJ, maybe. You're, you have Justice back with the Heat. Would he? Do we even know if he would have fit with this group at any point with the direction that they uh, went? I'm not saying they couldn't have used the point of attack of defender. Obviously, they could have. Okay, no question. And he would have gotten minutes that way. But we never really saw the Jimmy Justice thing work on offense. It didn't have time. Duncan Robinson ended up taking a much bigger role than we anticipated he would, as was the case also with Kendrick Nunn. I mean, would the minutes have even been like for what we envisioned for and, and Goran Dragic had a stronger year than we anticipated. So like, would the minutes even have been there for justice? I'm just, I'm saying a fully healthy justice, like comes back from the three month break 
um, ready to go for the heat. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna rejuvenate his career. Does does it even work then? Wouldn't injury wouldn't aside, he just take Derek's minutes at that point because they wouldn't have you know these other wings that would be there as their backup forwards, and he, I think he would just serve as going back to being a playmaker off the bench. Him, Goran, and whoever else take turns with the ball in their hands. And yeah. I think they could still use him for sure. I mean. Well, and they, they would could have, have used him as a point of attack defender, obviously, and they could have used him as an extra ball handler. They, they and they would have, um, you know, monumental incentive to see what they have with Justice Winslow and get him as many minutes as possible because, like, this was one of their uh, primary assets, whether it be via trade or as a young player, and he was a core guy. So they were gonna, as the Swiss Army knife kind of guy, he was gonna find minutes somewhere in this rotation, but. Um, this is the thing that everybody like has to realize one when Jimmy came aboard it was really talked about about him running offense and taking a different role than maybe he had in Chicago or places like that or in Minnesota he's obviously the alpha but it's a different kind of alpha in terms of him getting guys organized and you know career high in assists there's all kinds of stuff that play into him with the ball in his hands more and so that was one thing that was kind of not in justice's favor and then this is the big one too Kendrick Nunn like coming out of nowhere and becoming a starting guard on this team everybody we went into the season thinking it was justice and Jimmy was kind of how we were um thinking that the backcourt would shape up and it just you know when Kendrick Nunn came in there too like that that had to be a weird spot for justice and then the injuries hit so it, it, it was a Duncan weird. Robinson became untouchable correct well, I will say, like, I mean, before Jimmy uh, came back at the beginning of the year, Justice was doing was getting forty minutes a game, like, so they were, they found minutes for him. Like, he was always going to get minutes on this team. Now, the fit with Jimmy, we never see, we never got to see it materialize. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of what ifs there. But what I have seen is Jimmy take a back seat at the beginning of a lot of games and not be very aggressive to let the other guys get settled in. I think there's a there would have been a way for Jimmy and Justice to work this thing out. I I do think if Justice was 100% healthy, Kendrick Nunn wouldn't be a starter. I do think that. Like I I think you would have seen um you would have seen that Justice and Jimmy uh backcourt uh whether you want to say Justice and Duncan or Justice and Jimmy. Is there enough shooting in that lineup though? Like I I think we're it under all the, it all depends on if Justice is healthy and if he can get back to 36 37% from 3. But he was just from three, though. See, see, I think the thing that's that's a little overlooked with Kendrick Nunn, among other things, is that Kendrick Nunn gave them mid-range spacing, right? Like, I, I mean, in addition to being a competent three-point shooter, more than he, competent, he was he was an excellent three-point was, shooter, Kendrick Nunn. Right, but right, exactly. But but it's also what he also gave you was that ability to pull up in mid-range, make jumpers that way, force the defense to play basically the, the entire voters. half court, right. And, and Justice, from, from a shooting perspective, just as we talked about shooting, we would always talk, okay, he got up to 38%, you know, from, from three, particularly from the corners. But he wasn't giving you shooting all over the floor, right? And he also wasn't finishing consistently at the rim, which was a, a – you know, I'm a big Justice guy, but, like, Kendrick Nunn finished better at the rim than he does too. So I, I'm wondering if <laughs> – Look, I wanted it to work more than anybody, and I loved the way Justice played that first game without Jimmy. But I do think the Jimmy Justice fit offensively was always going to be problematic. I, well, do you think that you do you think that uh, okay? So a lot of the things that Justice would have provided defensively, 
exactly. could would have yes. kind of would have made up for some of the offensive deficiencies because that's that's the theory right there. Yeah, he literally. I mean, he is far and away a better defender uh, than Kendrick Nunn. We all agree on that. And now without Kendrick Nunn creating more in the half court, uh, kind of giving you some of those relief points, would Jimmy have gotten more aggressive? Let's say. In the begin at the beginning of games, you know that's why I just, I don't I just feel like Justice and Jimmy could have worked this thing out. I really do. Um, but listen, it just didn't work out that way. Like I, you guys know, I mean, I'm one of the biggest Justice Winslow fans there are, and I agree, I wanted the trade to happen. I was happy the trade happened. It just didn't work out that way. But I think a healthy Justice Winslow. What they, we saw that glimpse of it, and I always go back to it that Toronto Raptors game where <laughs> Justice, Jimmy, and Bam, it didn't matter if they scored two points, four points, six points, or 20 points. The Raptors could not do anything against those three. Like, and that's, that's the, the thing that I envision when, even when you talk about Miami Heat basketball, some of these, I mean, the, the offensive rating for that starting lineup is a, tremendous, but defensive rating usually isn't great. And now it, it it balances out, but I, I just think it would look more like Miami Heat basketball with Justice running point than it does with Kendrick Nunn. But like everything has worked out the way the way that I guess it was supposed to. Well, I'll just say this, and I, I think Greg may back me on this one. <laughs> they haven't; they're not making decisions without Jimmy Butler's consent. Okay, I mean since since he since he was courted okay and they talked to him about the kind of team they wanted to put together they have not made a decision without his consent I'm, I'm not saying he's pulling strings like people accuse LeBron of but they're consulting him okay and so all I'll say is this we thought Justice Winslow was a Miami Heat guy okay but the whispers that started to come out of the organization in the two months prior to the trade were that they didn't they weren't sure he was anymore and I can say if they thought he was and Jimmy thought he was, Justice would probably still be here. And that's why I raised the question of, I understand the defensive fit, but I just don't know that it was ever going to work. I'm not saying there was a conflict between them, but I don't know that it was ever going to work with the two of them and it looking fluid the way that it should look fluid. When Justice broke out those first three games of the year this year, Jimmy wasn't playing. All right. So, I mean, we keep talking about that Toronto moment. I get it. But offensively, there were not, I don't know that uh, we didn't see it long enough. But I just feel like if, if Jimmy felt that justice was a BAM, justice would still be here. I think the organization made a decision over those, that four to six month period that BAM was the keeper and justice they weren't sure anymore. And then they showed it with the trade. So that, that's sort of how I come down on that. All right. Let's get to Jimmy, though, because there's one thing I wanted to, talk about um is that this quote that he gave about his shooting he was asked about his shooting i i can't, can't remember who asked him about it um on on the uh on the availability a couple days ago by the way jimmy is still fighting to get the no name on the back of his jersey but he basically said and i don't have the exact quote i tweeted it out he basically said he didn't want to he didn't want to really get into his shooting he says he was happy with the way he played this year if we win a championship, nobody's going to be talking about my shooting. To which Heat fans reacted, we're not winning a championship unless you shoot better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
he's been downplaying it. You try to talk to people around him. Was it the wrist? Was it this? Was it that? Nobody wants to say what it was that led to the decline. We have some theories that it could have been the wrist, could have been just being tired, you know, with how much burden he had to carry this year. But um, let's just be honest. The numbers don't lie. He did not shoot the ball from mid-range, in particular, the way he has over the course of his career. And Akaius has talked about it. Should, Even what should we make of Jimmy's attitude about this, I guess? I mean, I feel like he's kind of just saying the right things in terms of that one, he's going to have the utmost confidence in himself. So he's, you know, part of that talking about getting to a championship is um, that he's going to turn around the shooting. And that's implied in the fact that he's a superstar and a max player and, and the alpha on the team. So, so there's an element of it where there's just some sheer confidence that Jimmy is going to exude, you know, when, when posed a question like that. But the other part of it is, you know, the wrist is probably feeling a lot better. And I think that that makes a huge difference. Little things like that can really throw off guys, particularly when they're being asked to do so many other things and divert their attention in so many different ways. So that just, it's taxing. And all of that has now been kind of shored up in terms of him getting some rest. And the the other part of it that I think he's trying to drive home is that this is a team thing. He's been all about building up his guys and if they get to a championship we may not be talking about his shooting because we may be talking about bam out of bio becoming like you know uh uh you know a, a cornerstone franchise player or something like that so um so there's just a lot of things at work there but can they win a title if he's shooting mid no. mid 20s from let's, three let's and, stop and, this right now if i'm no, wrong of course i'll not. be so happy i'll be so happy i, I but god let, let's Let's just declare it right here. They're not winning a title, most likely, anyways. But uh, definitely not if Jimmy isn't shooting well, because I feel like they have to they have to lift their their ceiling and their baseline of where they were at during the season. Even if it was a very very good team, a top ten team, we're talking about a title, we're talking about beating the likes of the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks. Jimmy needs to be firing from all cylinders, and so do all the shooters, and their defense needs to be fixed. I will say that I really don't care about the first three quarters when it comes to his shooting, but his fourth quarter shooting uh, needs to improve. The Heat need a closer, especially with the way we saw them collapse in second halves um, all year long, where first quarter, uh, they're one of the best teams in the league, and fourth quarter, they're, I think their net rate, I don't think there's a single, I think there's maybe one guy on the Heat that has a positive net rating yeah, for, for the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's... Yeah. Uh, that is where – see, to me, a lot of the stuff – Jimmy making mid-range jumpers in the first quarter doesn't matter to me. I, he, if he, him sitting back and letting other people uh, get theirs for three quarters, none of that matters to me. I just want to see Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers Jimmy Butler taking over in the fourth quarter and just not giving a damn. That's what was important to me. Like, the rest of the stuff, we've seen, we've seen them blow teams out where Jimmy had 12 points. Um, it, that that's the, they not actually the part of they it. actually played better when he scored and shot less this year. They they, yeah. they 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 were considerably better, and it wasn't a chicken or the egg thing, like in the sense of where you talk about like NFL running games, where like yeah, of course you're gonna rack up a bunch of rushing yards when you're up three touchdowns, right? It wasn't that. It wasn't like he shot less because they were winning. It's like they won almost because he shot less. It, it was this this weird stat. But but let me ask you this then, okay? Because the, the guy who, who who did make shots for them in the fourth quarter this year, Duncan Robinson did, but the other one was Tyler Hero. And I'll ask this question. If Jimmy is shooting the way that Jimmy shot this season, and he's shooting that way in games, 
Should Spo take the ball out of his hands late in games and put it in Tyler's hands? No, I don't think you take the ball out of his hands, but I think you definitely, you give the ball to Jimmy and Jimmy is looking for Tyler to do some step back antics from three and stuff like that. And, um, you know, another interesting wrinkle with this, that, that just, it kind of lends itself to how, um, how much this can shift is they had their fourth quarter issues, particularly with shooting and things like that. Um, but they were eight and one in their nine overtime games. So then they were able to like flip a switch in overtime and, and, and close out games. So it's just interesting to see like the ebbs and flows of that kind of stuff. And uh, ultimately you guys are also operating under the assumption that Duncan Robinson is going to miss a shot at all. And I don't think that that's going to happen. <laughs> Not like that obviously raises the ceiling of all the other shooters on the team as well. But if we're saying that Tyler here, okay, so Jimmy's playing at the end of games. Bam is playing at the end of the games. Duncan is playing at least on the offensive end at the end of games, okay? So, you know, then you start to throw guys in a mix. And if we're saying Tyler Hero is going to be on the court, then Goran's probably not in a lot of these situations unless you go small, right? You play Goran, Hero, Butler, Robinson, and Bam at times. Um, but that lineup may get cooked on defense. So then you, you're going to have to look at, you know, if Iguodala looks as good as Spolster indicated today, then he's going to get some of those minutes. I think Jay could get some of those minutes. I think DJJ at times could get some of those minutes. Um, I think Kelly could get some of those minutes when they want to go a little bigger and still be versatile. I, I, but, but to me, I think that we may see a bit of a transition here from Jimmy making every decision down the stretch, which at times, I mean, let's be, and again, Jimmy had, you know, a high level in my, my view an all NBA, you know, second team, third team, all NBA season for the heat and showed a lot of things he didn't show in other places, but we were complaining a lot towards the end about some of the decision-making at the end of games. I mean, he was taking those Dwayne shots that we didn't like Dwayne taking <laughs> at the end. Um, and, I just wonder if with, with a few months, till, it's one thing when you're in it, like Spolster and the coaching staff were in it. Okay, let's just keep going to Jimmy. It's another thing when you have three to four months to look at the numbers and look at the tape. And I wonder if we're going to see a little bit of a transition here to Tyler Hero as a primary decision maker down the stretch. I don't, I don't see that happening. What I, the, the transition needs to come from Jimmy, not the coaching staff. Yep. Jimmy's the Jimmy's your superstar player, so Jimmy is the one that needs to needs to, to needs to understand when he has it going and when he doesn't, and not take those Dwayne Wade hero shots when he just doesn't have it going. Um, I think that the, at the end of games, they're oh, you know, Spo is always going to trust his star. Like we've seen this over and over from Spolster, so he's not the one that's going to make the transition. Jimmy's the one that either has to start hitting those shots or start finding other guys. And we've seen him find other guys and do that LeBron thing where he makes the right play at the right time. But we've also seen him do the Kobe thing where what the hell are you doing? Why are you taking that shot? Um, and with the stakes higher in these games, it always seems that Jimmy raises his level for, for, uh, for, for bigger games. So maybe we'll see him start to hit those shots. But if he's not hitting those shots and he doesn't have it going – He's the one that needs to start making better decisions, not the games? coaching staff. I, I think you got a point about that, Alpha. But I think uh, you remember those Philly games where Jimmy just started hitting those those mid range jumpers out of nowhere. I think you may have a point there. I think. <laughs> I, listen, in my he my starts heat, hitting them in games he cares about. 
my Heat fan Homer Hart, <laughs> Jimmy is going to go ham in these playoffs. Like, Leif, back me up on this. I feel like Jimmy is going to go nuts. Like, we're going to see, like, peak Jimmy Butler just – you well, know. he looks great. I'll say this. Yeah. He looks great. I mean, he, lo- he looks to me. Uh, and well, again, I want to see Eddie House, you know what, uh, uh, the cojones. <laughs> down the court, cojones, <laughs> onions, Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. And I feel like we're going to get that. I really do. But that that just might be Heat fan Homer in me, the one that Ethan has to yell at for uh, for cheering. In the- well, you can do whatever you want. We're not. I mean, I'm going to be the only one at the games, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to be sitting up in the top deck and not allowed to talk to anybody. I am going to go to the games. I th- I'm not going to the Denver game, but I'm going to the second and third games that the Heat are playing up there, the regular season games in August. I'm going to make a few trips up there. But I, I just – I'm looking at Jimmy, and again, it's just Zoom calls and it's videos that we're seeing. He looks lean. Like he looks – he looks – not that he got heavy during the season, but he definitely looked – even his face, he just looks leaner. Um, I, I think – again, I, he's going to be in incredible condition. Um, you know, it's real in terms of the way that he prepares himself. I just don't – I think it's 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 like he'll talk about anything. The only thing he hasn't wanted to talk about the whole year, the point that everybody just, you know, got afraid to even ask him was about the shooting. And the people around him say it's just been a confidence thing with him. Like it's – he starts making him, he'll make a bunch. Maybe he – maybe, Alf, you're right. Maybe he just starts making them in the first couple games and goes on a tear that carries him through October. It's possible. But I also yeah. think – that the coaching staff has probably had some time to look at this. And it's one thing to say, you know, as Spo always said, I'll go to my grave with Dwayne Wade taking the last shot and just basically letting Dwayne do whatever the hell he wants in his farewell season uh, and, and the two seasons prior, which felt like that too. Uh, and, and just having Jimmy have free reign when you have other guys who are better shooters on the floor with him. I mean, maybe it's more of him being a distributor and setting up Hero, Robinson, Dragic, you know, Alinic, et cetera, as opposed to Jimmy taking step back, you know, fadeaways. Yeah, that's hit the nail on the head. That's the move. I think that the decision making will still lie with Jimmy Butler. It's not that they're going to turn over the late game decision making to Tyler Hero in his first playoffs. It's more about he'll be on the receiving end of Jimmy decisions. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, like it just, and it also it goes back to that they're really working in tandem with Jimmy in a lot of ways. And this is just going to be another one of those things. They they are absolutely player, organization, coach are 100% aligned. So whatever does transpire, we know that these guys are kind of bought in um, from all angles. All right, so that's it for today. Uh, cover the three topics. Check out 5reasonsports.com. Every day we're on Dash Radio, 10 to 11 a.m., nothing but net channel. Also, check out, uh, as I mentioned, 5 Reasons Sports, but check out our sponsors, Biscayne Bay, Bay Brewing, safecubbies.com, youbreakwheelfix.com. So check out our guy, Dr. Jonathan Chung, um, if you have any kind of back problems. Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm, onecalllegal.com. Thanks, everybody. Keeps us going. Our next episode will be after actual basketball wow. scrimmage but the KZ Akpala dynasty experience starts Wednesday night we'll have it for you also this is the biggest thing the debut of Alf's eye test hell yes Alf's eye test will be will be debuting you will never need to look at another statistic again have Get a good night calculators away <laughs> thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.